0: How's it going, everyone. This is Pastor Justin Dean with the Sacred City Life Podcast, a podcast about following Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life. And today I have got my good friend, Pastor Sam Schmidt, with me on the podcast.
1: Hey, everybody, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> Happy to be here.
0: All right. And uh, we are going to be talking about the subject and the topic of prayer. And it seems like Everyone prays, but very few people are fulfilled in their prayer life. Very few people actually find it deeply meaningful, deeply fruitful, deeply moving. Um, And uh, we want to talk about that. I think Jesus um, brought this topic up or his disciples brought this topic up because uh, two things. One, Jesus had a vibrant prayer life. Uh, We see this through the Gospels. He um, could communicate and encounter God in prayer and would pull up all kind of resources and would be changed and would be, um, I said on Sunday, as we started talking about the Lord's Prayer, he would be strengthened at some times and he would be softened at other times. Mm. So he could be deeply uh, kind of immovable at once, like strong in his convictions, have steel in his spine, But then when he came across the poor and the weak and the broken, deeply empathetic. And we see these kind of divergent traits in in Jesus that this really strong man and also really soft man could be at home in one man that we all come to love and we all cherish about him. Mm -hmm. Well, this was a result of of his prayer life, his ability to communicate with God and be changed in the presence of God. And so his disciples see this in him and they say, and and they've watched Jesus do miracles and cast out demons and walk on the water and do crazy stuff. But they come to him and say, Lord, teach me how to pray. Mm. Not, Lord, teach me how to cast out demons and all these other things. Lord, teach me how to pray. And I think that should be telling for us, one, um, I find myself a lot like the disciples I've been praying all my life, but I've been praying pretty consistently and persistently for at least 20 years, and I still feel like an amateur. I still feel like someone who comes to God and is like, Lord, teach me how to pray. Right. And the good thing is Jesus answered, and Jesus said, all right, you want to know how to pray? Pray like this. He gave a couple things not to do. Don't pray for the approval of people, Mm -hmm. right? Go away. Get alone. Be quiet. Shut yourself off in your bedroom. Don't Instagram it all the time, right? Don't Snapchat
1: it. Just every once in a while, though. Yeah,
0: just every, you know what I mean? You got to encourage some folks right. every once in a while, you know? <laughs> like, got to let them know, I went to the gym today and I prayed, right?
1: <laughs> I usually pray while I'm working out, Lord, keep me from falling over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't I let me like, die,
0: things yeah. like that. Um, so Jesus, when he says, when, when the disciples say, Lord, teach us how to pray, Jesus says, first off, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be an actor. Don't pray for the approval of people. If you pray just to be seen, and many people do, and they don't, they very rarely pray at home or in quiet, whatever, but when they get in church, they pray, or when they get in a missional community, a small group, they pray. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't do that. If you do, you the reward you get from people is the only reward you get. You get some attaboys, you get some accolades, people think you're spiritual you get some likes on facebook or instagram but your prayers hit the ceiling and they don't they don't go to heaven they don't go to god and that's i mean who wants that right like right. we want we really want our prayer so we talk about prayer being a conversation with god but not just a conversation it's also an encounter mm-hmm. with god or we meet him and he meets us and he changes us and so as we talked about this on sunday we had some responses people were okay i think something's missing in my prayer life my prayer life feels dry and then we just put it out there on instagram and on this on our um, social media site we said what what are your questions on prayer what, do you, what 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 did this sermon stir in your heart stir in your mind and i will be happy to say we got more response than we've ever gotten from any topic on the sacred city life podcast and so Sam and I are going to pastorally go through some of these questions and help uh, help us in any way that we can. This could be an ongoing series um, as we preach, because we're going to be spending six weeks preaching through the Lord's Prayer. And so as we kind of hit topics, if things come to your mind, questions come up, email us, uh, message us, and let us know. And maybe every Thursday, we might hop on here at 2 o'clock for the next six weeks and try to answer your prayers, or try to answer your prayers, your questions. <laughs> we can't uh, do we, that. We can't yeah. do that. No. We can't do that. Uh, but we can answer uh, some questions that you have when it comes to prayer. And so the things, we're going to get into really practical things. That's going to become a little bit later. Uh, but first, we want to cover uh, some of the big questions that we got. And... Um, I think the first one is um when I pray prayer feels like a monologue <clears throat> feels like I'm doing a lot of talking but I'm not really getting any response back it's not a dialogue
1: right and the times when you do kind of still yourself what I find is that my mind tends to wander away from actually praying i'm moving on toward what's next on my to-do list. And so trying to find that, that time of where I'm really, it's having a conversation and an encounter with God, um, that's not a solo endeavor. Um, so it's a great question.
0: Yeah, I've heard many people say, I pray, but it feels like it bounces off the ceiling. Um, well, there's a lot of reasons why that could be going on. I think Jesus is going to talk about it this week. Um, in our sermons, in our sermons, um, when he says, "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name," he's going to be addressing some. We could be praying to the wrong God for one. We yeah. could be praying to the universe. You know, folks out there, they pray to the universe. I don't know why, mm. right? Yeah. So, I could be praying to myself. I could be praying to a lot of different things. We'll talk about more that more on Sunday. But uh, I think the most helpful concept for me when it comes to prayer, is to remember, prayer is my response to God speaking first. Right. So God has already set the parameters of language and parameters of, um, he's already spoken first, he's given us the Bible, and that is God's word to us. And our prayer is our dialogue with that word, our response to that word.
1: yeah.
0: Um, and so I think the most helpful thing, and, and we're going to get into the more practical stuff later, is to pray as you're reading the word. Pray as you're, and that's going to do so many different things to you because if you're reading a psalm, that is a literally a prayer. that's meant to teach you how to pray. Mm-hmm. And so you could literally just pray those words As your own prayer to God, and there's in the Psalms there's all kind of different Psalms. There's imprecatory Psalms where he's grieving and mad and angry, where the the psalmist is angry. He's saying, "Kill my enemies," you know. Like, uh, I hope I mean I won't even get into some of the stuff David says. It's pretty offensive, but he's pretty out there. He's pretty upset. He's pretty angry. Um, But then there's also Psalms where he's really sad and he's grieving. Psalms where he's repenting. Think the psalms are a great place to go yeah and
1: what it shows us i mean really what <clears throat> a prayer life that's birthed out of real life scenarios none of this happens in a vacuum this is this is a man's response to real things happening um and his interaction with god in light of that stuff so i think that's helpful um to kind of give us a bit of a template i mean jesus gives us a template of prayer in the lord's prayer but also just to to see that it's okay to express some of the frustrations and the hurt, the, the humanity piece of, of prayer as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so it's really helpful when I sit down to pray that I have my Bible, uh, that I'm reading maybe a Bible plan. I use the M-Chain Bible plan on version. It's on my phone every morning. I go through the, the, whole, the Old Testament once, the Psalms twice, and the New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs twice, and the New Testament twice a year. And I just it has four readings a day. And I pray when, so basically I'm reading through these things. Sometimes, you know, if I'm in Judges most of the time, I'm not getting anything out of it. But then the next one might be Psalms, and it might hit me that day. Uh, I might be moved to worship, so I thank God for what He's done. I Mm -hmm. thank God for giving me His Word. I thank God for saving me, all these different things. So that's how my heart responds. Or I might be in a letter, and it's talking about something very, you know, something ethical or moral, the way I treat my wife or kids, or and I might be deeply convicted. And so my prayer response to a word like that would be confession, supplication, asking God for grace, asking God for mercy, uh, be reminded of the gift that Christ has given me. And so I, I just think it's very helpful to enter into prayer as a response to God already speaking to me first.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what that means, opening up the Bible, right? I mean, can't expect to have a, an, a really intimate and thriving prayer life and have uh, even the language to know how to pray unless mm-hmm. God is teaching us that through his word. And so um, I guess here Bible reading prayer hand in hand.
0: Yeah, that's good. And I said on Sunday, when we grow up as children, we don't get to set the parameters of language. We don't get to gugu gaga for all our life and expect people to understand what we're trying to say, yeah. right? Our parents are like, no, 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 say dada, say mom, I'm dada, that's mama, right? Like, and we have to conform to their language, the language barriers and the parameters that they set up to communicate with them. And yeah. it's the same way all through life. Whoever's in authority determines how you speak, right? You don't get to speak to your boss however you want to speak to him, or you will be fired. Sure. And you, you can complain about it, but you're wrong. Uh He gets to set the parameters. Well, when we enter our prayer life, the same thing goes. It's not appropriate to go possibly to go, you know, treat Jesus as your homeboy, to treat Jesus, to talk to Jesus the way you talk to your boys and your, and your, and your kids or your friends or your bros, right? Yeah. It's not appropriate. And one, one question somebody had was, um, what's the balance between Kind of approaching God in fear and reverence and awe, and developing in an intimacy, right at the same time. What you want to respond to that?
1: Yeah, I think uh, what my mind goes to, it, it, just even in, in the the language of our Father who art in heaven, um, the intimacy piece of having a Father, uh, somebody who's bidding his children to come and speak and interact, but at the same time knowing that that God is not like us, that he is in fact in heaven, that he is uh, transcendent in a way that we aren't. And so keeping those two things uh, on the front of the mind is helpful. Mm. I think one of the ways to, to like live in that tension is to understand our, uh, our union with Christ, um, that Christ is the one who grants us access to the throne room of the Father, um, that we don't come in as our own self trying to heap up our good works to say hey god this is this is what i've done this week in order to kind of grant access for you to to, to hear what i'm saying uh, i'm coming because of christ was righteous for me um, and then knowing that that christ is in me that mm-hmm. intimacy that christ is growing in me um, the love of the father is channeling through christ mm-hmm. uh, into me and so developing that that I mean, a reverence, but an intimacy that is really unique.
0: That's good. I don't want to give away all my good stuff from Sunday, so that's where we're going on Sunday. Um, But the one thing I would like to say is I like the word you used, there was tension, and I don't want us to think that God is either or. He's either in heaven and holy or he's our Father. Mm -hmm. The reality is every prayer you pray and every time you meet with God, you're probably going to need to be made aware of one of those realities. Yeah. He's, he's your father who loves you and he's in heaven. So what I mean by that is if I have no regard to holiness in my own life, if I have no regard to living ethically, living morally, living on mission, doing what God's called me to do, if I'm living my life however I want to live it, then I don't necessarily need to hear our father I need to hear he's in heaven, that mm. he's holy. And then the next petitions, your will be done, right? Your name be praised. It's all about God. It's not about us. But if I'm living on mission and I'm following Christ and I'm reading my scriptures and I can tend to be very aware of God's holiness and very aware of how far I fall, how how short I fall from his standard, right? Yeah. And I'm aware of my sinfulness and God's holiness, then I definitely need to spend more time meditating and thinking about our Father. Like Jesus says, pray like this: Our Father. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Me and Jesus have the same dad.
1: Yeah. Right. And even think how in that passage in Matthew, uh, Father is said three times within three verses. I mean, he's really emphasizing the fact that that we're getting a new. Access to God the Father that before Jesus had never really been opened up to us.
0: Yeah, for sure. And we, again, we can't give away too much of our uh, I summons, know. So. um Okay, so uh, another question. How often should I get alone with God and pray? Well, let me just say this. Uh, the Jews prayed three times a day. Muslims pray five times a day. How often do you think we should pray, Sam?
1: I don't think there's a number that can really Satisfy. I I think it's when when we're told to pray without ceasing. I yeah, think that's that's our standard there as far as because uh, really what prayer is the, the uh, conversation and encounter. God isn't tucked away in some sort of sacred space where I can only access God when I'm doing sacred mm-hmm. things. Uh, how many
0: of us would really ask like how how much fun can I have, right? Like right. you know what I mean how many times can I eat ice cream? Yeah. Right. We ask that because we don't want to get fat, but if if ice cream was like lettuce, we would be like living off the stuff, That's right? right. And encountering God is enjoyable. It, it's a blessing to us. Like, right. Jesus has opened this up where we can meet with God. And so I think you nailed it. Pray without ceasing. You know, like, we want to encounter and meet with God as often as we can. Yeah. You know, and if we're not praying, it's because in our heart, we might not say this with our mouth, but in our heart we're saying, I don't need God. I've got this. Yeah. I I can handle it. Right. It's our pride. Yeah. um, And that's going to set us up. Well, then even on that,
1: I mean, pray without ceasing. But I think it's also helpful to have some built in check marks during the day where, I mean, you sit down to eat a meal and I'm going to pray. I wake up, I jump in the shower, I'm praying in the shower. Lord, help me get through the day. Give me what I need. Going to bed, praying with my kid. I mean, like there's different check marks in my day where I'm sitting down to have some more intentional prayer. Uh, but even just the awareness, where, where maybe I'm weak uh, today, I'm feeling it. I'm really tired today. Just the Lord, sustain me through the day. Every time I feel that, I'm calling on the Lord. Yeah. Um, so having those those times where you're you're checking in with the Lord, kind of throughout your normal rhythms, but also that it, when things pop up, to to call upon the Lord. And then one thing that we've talked about is uh, what we do is try to have some solitude time, uh, where we're getting away, kind of on a regular sort of rhythm of maybe a prolonged time of prayer and and some people are like oh solitude that sounds pretty intense or like a luxury but I think there's a lot to be had in carving out a couple hours uh every several weeks or whatever it would be to really go and, and do some soul examination be more diligent in the scriptures and uh laying out more thorough prayers as far as what's going on in my life the people that are in my life uh what God is doing there, and to have more prolonged times like that.
0: Yeah. So I think we're talking about two things. We're talking about praying proactively and praying reactively. Proactively requires me to plan. Um, it requires me maybe. I've heard th- I've heard this said. Your prayer time in the morning is determined by your preparation time the night before. Mm. And so what that means is, I'm not staying up till 11.30 watching Netflix. Right. Honestly, 9.30, 10 o'clock, I'm in bed, and I'm not staring at my phone, because if you're staring at your phone, it doesn't help you go to sleep. Uh, And I'm I'm getting to sleep at a decent time, and I'm setting my alarm for early in the morning, before the kids wake up. And I've got the coffee maker already to be brewed, so I don't have to get up and do anything, I just push a button. Or I've got a Keurig, and I'm just my first cup of coffee. I don't really care about the quality, right?
1: Get the caffeine.
0: Yeah, that's all that matters. And uh, I've got a space in my house. I've got a place that I can go and meet with God and be alone, even if the kids wake up. I might be able to get a few extra minutes. Maybe it's a comfy chair. Maybe it's an office. Maybe I said on Sunday that my, for a long time, my space was next to the uh, furnace and the and the water heater in, in the in the basement. Um, and the kids you know, can get up and turn the cartoons on or do whatever they do without me. Uh, now I've been given a hot tub, and so I've got a sweet hot tub that I get to go and sit out early in the morning and, and, and drink my coffee and meet with the Lord. But I have to plan this. This is proactive. I have to say, this is when I'm going to do it. Same thing with those day of solitude. Every six weeks, I have one day of solitude. It comes up in my calendar. It's proactive. I'm going to do it now. You could look at your calendar and say, okay, my husband's home here i could have four hours well i could go walk i could go walk target yeah i know ladies that's what you do (laughs) i could go walk target or i could take get a cup of coffee from the drive-through and i could go sit in a park with my bible and i could meet with jesus and a journal i I could go do that that is that takes planning that takes preparation and that is the way to proactively pray and then as sam was talking about there's always reactive prayers and reactive prayers is what the scriptures is talking about when it's pray without ceasing, I'm going into an interview, I pray. When I'm going into a difficult meeting, I pray. When I'm, uh, uh, you know, getting, well, you've already mentioned all these different things. Some of these prayers can be called, I mean, I've heard Catholic mystics call them breath prayers, centering prayers. Yeah. Um, the, the prayer of the sinner that said, um, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's been a prayer that's been prayed for centuries. Many people, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. What does that do? That just, in the midst of my day, it just centers me. It just brings God back into my my imagination, back into my focus. Reminds me who I am. Reminds me who God is. Reminds me that He's merciful and He can give grace to me. Um, Father, just help me. You know, Father, open the eyes of my heart. Little things like this are reactive Reactive prayers yeah. that we can pray. Well, I
1: sense it when I get stressed out, anxiety. I can, I, it's, I may not be able to identify exactly what's going on, but I can take it to the Lord in that moment and say, Lord, I sense this is going on in my heart. Can you reveal what's going on to me? Can you help me work through this? Remind me of my identity in you. Uh, and so that, like, breath prayers, perfect example, just kind of not just bringing God back to the forefront of our mind, but reestablishing our identity identity as a beloved son or daughter of Mm. of our Heavenly Father.
0: That's good. I think um, another question that we had was, what should I have in mind while praying? And do you want to answer that first, and then I'll I'll riff off of what you've got to say? You know,
1: I don't know if I have a stellar answer for this. Um, Okay, well, I do
0: if you don't. Yeah, why don't
1: you go ahead then? (laughs)
0: Uh, I was, well, we've already said one scripture, right? Like what should I have in mind? Scripture. So whatever scripture you're reading, let that inform what you have in mind. If it's Psalm 23 and your walk, you know, the Lord is leading you. He's your shepherd. Let that picture fill your mind and think about it. Yeah. If it's a picture of the gospel in the gospel, one of the gospels, and it's Jesus healing a, a blind beggar or doing something on the Sabbath or, or standing up for truth, let that image fill your mind as you pray. And let that prayer inform uh, your prayers, right? Like that, let that vision inform your prayers. Right. And then secondly, another question that came that kind of correlates with this and something that I found helpful is as you grow in your understanding of God, as you grow in your under, your doctrine of God, your understanding of theology, you come to see that God is a trinity, right? He exists. He um, in three persons, in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so one thing that's great while you're praying is to imagine and think about each member of the Trinity and address them individually. So think about the Father. What has the Father done mm-hmm. in the order of salvation and all, you know everything? What has the Father done? Thank Him, speak to Him, address Him as Father. What has the Son done, right? address Him, speak to Him, communicate with Him. What is the Spirit doing? And that's a way to be Trinitarian, at, you know, fully Christian, Orthodox Christians in our prayer life. That, right. That's something to have in our imaginations. So, that's good. Uh, anything else you want to add to that? or?
1: No, I really like the imagery piece that you're, you're talking about. Um, it's I think that's really compelling. The images have a powerful pull. And so, envisiona- envisioning God doing whatever it is He's doing, whether it's a parable or, or um, healing somebody, that, that's really helpful stuff to see. What if, how can I see God doing that same thing in my life? Yeah. You know, like, what's He doing there? What's He wanting to do, or in the lives of the people that I'm in community with?
0: We were in a missional community this week, and we were going through the story of God, and we were talking about the parable. Um, well, it's called the. Um, it really should be called the Parable of the Two Sons, but it, we, all, we, we we normally call it um, the, prodigal the Prodigal Son. The Prodigal Son, yeah. And that's just a great image of a loving father preemptively running out and putting his arms around a sinner, a notorious sinner who's done stupid stuff and wasted his, his fortune, right? And just to imagine myself there, to, to imagine myself as that fool who's ran away and wasted so much of my wealth and done so much dumb things, But God doesn't wait for me to come and repent. Doesn't wait for me to earn it back, right? He just he runs after me and takes me. And then also, like sometimes I look at that and I go, you know what? But I'm actually more like the older brother. Mm -hmm. And and I live with the Father and I'm close to the Father and I'm neglecting his love and grace and relationship because I'm working so hard. Yeah. Put myself in that, in that position. I've even heard people. Now, I'm not this type of guy, but there's some people who just really are into art, right? And so they—and I, I know um, Rembrandt's uh, prodigal son has been deeply uh, meaningful to a lot of people. They just look at this picture, and they see the prodigal being embraced, and they see—and and it just it moves them. It helps them put themselves there and and feel the grace and the love of yeah. God. So that's, I guess, a couple little things— um, and then when I'm thinking about Scripture, when I'm thinking about God, obviously here's the big question that so many of us have. How do I stay focused?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good question. I think there's a lot of practical things to do. At least I know for myself, I, I have to kind of remove myself from common day spaces where I'm doing my work and have a designated spot, space or remove myself from the accessibility to my phone um, to different things that tend to distract me. Um, so I think that there's some stuff planning-wise that we've talked about that we can do. Um, one thing that I find really helpful is putting my phone on my desk and just walking for 20 minutes, Walk either walking around the neighborhood where I'm at or going down the river and walking along the river. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to survive without my phone for about 20, 30 minutes, whatever it is. It just helps me keep the distractions at bay. It uh allows me to kind of meditate on whatever scripture I'm I'm thinking on that day, whether I heard it from the the Daily Liturgy podcast or something, just whatever nugget has stuck with me from then, and just meditating on it, asking God to press it down into my heart. Um, So taking out some of those, I think technology is a big distraction, at least for me, can be. Uh, In fact, since the last time listening to the podcast, I've gotten off Facebook. You guys convinced me to get rid of Facebook. And so that's been helpful for my prayer life, uh, just stepping away from some of that um, to engage with God in more of a, a connected sort of um, thoughtful way. Yeah,
0: I think I think that's good. The other thing I would say is um, prayer is hard, and this is proactive prayer. Reactive prayer, it doesn't matter if you're yeah. not focused, right? And I, I remember C.S. Lewis says, um, bad people, like criminals, don't know how hard it is to be good because they always give in to t- temptation. Mm-hmm. You only know how hard it is to be good if you actually resist temptation. Right. So you you were tempted for one minute and you resisted. Well, it was so hard and you gave in. Well, 10 minutes, it, it's harder. An hour, it's harder. A year, it's harder. It gets harder. And the longer you pray and the more you time you spend in proactive prayer, the harder it gets because our minds wander. Right. Right. And so... There's some tips, there's some tricks. Obviously, we've already talked about some scripture, meditating on Jesus, these things. One thing that I find helpful is to have either a notebook at hand or your to-do list or your app, whatever the app is. Um, And so let me say one thing. I agree with you about putting your phone away. One thing that I've done, and everybody who tries to text me probably realizes this, I've taken all notifications off my phone so i don't get little red bubbles for my email i don't get little um, i don't get dings and uh, for all this for all these different things in the morning yeah. when i'm with with the lord so i can use my phone as my bible which i like to do because i'm in the hot tub <laughs> and i can use my to-do list and so when when i'm praying and here's what happens right you start praying boom something comes into your mind you need to pick up batteries oh well your brain was wired by god to remember that and to remind you of that until you do something with it. And so what should you do? Put it in your to-do list. Give yourself a reminder on your phone. Yeah. Why? It's out of your brain. It's into technology. It's You're going to get reminded. You don't need to remember it. Once your brain knows you've done something with it, it'll it'll forget about it. It'll move on. And so as you're praying, one, you might be distracted. That might be the Holy Spirit having you pray for somebody somebody comes to mind pray for that person
1: right right
0: uh, an issue in your mission community pray for a neighbor pray for him but if it's like oh you got to do this you got to pick up the laundry you got to do that write it down put it put it in your and then just move right on don't be discouraged by it write it down move right on
1: Mm
0: -hmm. oh man we've got all kind of stuff here um anything else for distraction before we move on I don't know. I think that's it. You got anything?
1: No, I just. I mean, I'm just thinking of like, I I know we've got a lot of young moms that are carving out little nooks and crannies in their day to spend time with the Lord. I think that's really great. And I just, I think that uh, having some realistic expectations going into your prayer time, knowing that you might get cut short at three minutes, right? If you got kids crying, Mm. knowing that uh, you're... (laughs) Your prayer life doesn't necessarily, fl- the way your prayer life fluctuates doesn't fluctuate where you're at with Jesus necessarily, uh, knowing that you're rooted and anchored in Him uh, and being okay with that and just saying, hey, I, I only got three minutes now. At the next window, I'm going to try to re-engage and do that again and just keep going for it. I think that a lot of our life situations <clears throat> kind of give way like that. So Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. And it's, and it's in those seasons where the gathering becomes even more important, yeah. And your missional com- community becomes even more important, right? You're dropping the kids off, and you're going there, and you're connecting with the father, and you're actually p- praying. I've had so many moms like, "Oh, this is the only time I get adult conversation," you know, and uh, that that's meaningful, right? right? And yeah. that's important. All right, next question is push. It says this: pushing through prayer when life is hard especially since we can't change God's mind. So this is a great scenario. Um, We are going through something really hard, really difficult, sickness in our body. Kids are rebelling from Jesus. Boss is a jerk, right? Maybe I'm cold and stagnant in my faith and I've got four kids hanging off me every day. I don't know if I can make it. And, you know, and i I've, I've got good theology so i realize ain't nobody changing god's mind yeah. right yeah. god has every god knows everything he's got everything figured out already and so well what's the first off she asked the the, the question how do i push through yeah and then it, secondly you know we would we would probably say um what's the point of prayer then if i can't change god's mind right
1: yeah well i think of when, when your heart is cold, you feel sort of a uh, disconnect, uh, that can be hard to engage in prayer because you're thinking, like, I'm putting in time. It doesn't feel like it's really doing anything. Uh, I think in those situations, it's really helpful just come back to the gospel, to be reminded that even when my heart was cold and distant from God, Jesus came after me and he poured his whole heart into to bringing me back into the arms of the Father. And I think it that has the warming effect to, to move us, deeper and deeper into the Father, even when the circumstances aren't necessarily uh, catering toward that. Um, and so going back to the gospel, just rehearsing the gospel, I think, can't remember uh, where I read it this week, but praying is basically preaching to yourself before God. Mm. Uh, and so having that sort of mentality that even though I'm not feeling it, I, I, know, I can trust that God's doing something uh, in that time, and it may not be a matter of changing God, it's a matter of changing me. Um, bringing my will in line with his will, trying to understand what he's doing when the circumstances aren't good, you know, tough times, trying to understand uh, what it is he's trying to accomplish and kind of be in tune with that and lean into that and trusting that the Father's bringing about good out of those uh, undesirable circumstances. Yeah, and I
0: think that's the most difficult thing to understand about prayer. Most of us instinctively, naturally— whittled prayer down to asking God to give me what I want. Yeah. God, give me my desires. Yeah. And we go to God and we beg him to give us our desires. And it's all supplication. It's all about asking for what we want. Mm -hmm. And we're not aware of the fact that prayer is where we meet with God and God is meant to change us into a person Whose inward life looks like Jesus,
1: right? To to be able to pray, uh, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, and actually mean it, right?
0: yeah, yeah. To have to be a person with the fruit of the spirit, yeah. Patient, kind, gentle, meek, right. Self control, self control. That means I can say no to myself, right? Well, when in my prayer life is all about me, right? How am I developing self control? Right. And we might feel frustrated by that, but the point is, like you said. God might not be wanting to change my circumstances. He might be wanting to change me. And prayer is encounter with God. The point is to be with God. So you're going through a horrible situation. Don't you want to be with somebody deeply compassionate? Yeah. Don't you want to be with somebody who loves you and knows you and is near to you and can give you the resources you need to manage it? Yeah. That's what prayer is. Yeah. It's not a quick exit out of the bad times. Yep. Right, And we see this perfectly by the perfect son of God in the garden, the night he's betrayed, about to go to the cross. He says, God, I'm going to paraphrase it. God, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I've never been separated from you. I don't want to go. I don't want to drink the cup of suffering. I don't want to be separated from you and feel the weight of sin and the, that, that yawning chasm that lies between us. I don't, I don't want to do that. But not my will. Your will will be done. And this isn't a resignation to the will of God. Fine, whatever. You probably know what's best, but this is going to suck really bad. And then he he walks out of his prayer closet frustrated. Mm -hmm. He goes out with steel in his spine. He goes out. Peter whips out a sword. They go to arrest him. He looks at Judas. Do what you got to do, Judas. Judas kisses him on his cheek. Peter takes out a sword. He's like, Peter, put your sword away. He goes like... (laughs) <laughs> like a God man, yeah. right? Walking face first, face like Flint into destruction.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? And we, so we see prayer do something in him, though it didn't change the will of God. God was still going to crush him.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it did something different to Jesus. It mm-hmm. strengthened him. And prayer can have the same effect on us, whether we're facing cancer, difficult kids, frustrating. Career that's not as fulfilling as we thought it was. Um, children that that disrespect us and run around and driving us crazy. Prayer can give us the same resources they gave Jesus. That's deeply encouraging to me. Right. All right. Uh a couple more questions here. Someone that said this, um, especially in charismatic circles. There's a theology that's out there called Name It and Claim It. It's called um, the Word Faith Movement. It's called Prosperity Gospel. And it takes Matthew 18 where it says, um, let me just pull it up. Let me just open my Bibles here, my Bible. Matthew 18, it says this. Here's the snippet. Um If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am among them. Now, this sounds like a genie in the bottle scripture.
1: Right. Right? right? It does. Can we just
0: come into agreement right now on like a new Ferrari?
1: That's what I was actually just got done praying for before we came on. Really? No, well, you
0: just, weren't in agreement with anybody, but now uh, now we can we can Sync combine up. our chi. go. And somehow we can get what we want. There we go. Right? Um, got so I'm we're being a little facetious. Um, this is a perfect example of people taking the Bible out of context. Proof texting is called you pull one verse out, you make it mean something that the the original context uh, didn't mean. And uh, you use it for, to make people shout, to get people to give money in church. Um, I remember a young man, when I was a young man, a friend of mine texting me one night and saying, I know by this date, I'm going to have a Lexus. And we were broke college kids, ain't nobody getting a Lexus. and We couldn't even get a loan for a Lexus. He never got the Lexus, but he took the scripture and he believed that if he agreed on it with somebody else that he could make this thing happen. Well, if you read the scripture, Matthew chapter 18 verses 15 through 20 is not even technically about prayer. The context is about church discipline. Mm. The context is when your brother sins against you, go to him, tell him his fault. Hopefully he repents. If he doesn't repent, bring somebody else with you. If he still doesn't repent, if he repents, God gave you back as your brother. Praise the Lord for that. He's answered both prayers. Go on in community, love one another. But if he doesn't Repent, bring it before the church,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and why? Because God's name is at stake, God's holiness is at stake, right? Yep. We want his name to be hallowed, and so our behavior represents our savior. And so if someone's out sleeping with whoever they want to sleep with, taking advantage of people in business, uh, sinning in all these different ways, you know, against their brother, it, they need to come before the church, and the church needs to restore them or excommunicate them. That's what Paul Paul later says, you can hand him over to Satan. You kick him out of the church and let Satan do what Satan's going to do so that he would be brought to repentance and then come back into fellowship. Well, this, and he says here, Jesus says it right here. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him to be, be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Like, we're no longer on mission together. Now we're on mission to this guy. We don't even know if he's a Christian. And then he says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he goes into if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask. This is in the context to restoring a brother, forgiving a brother, and judging a brother's sin. Like, I don't like to use that term, judging, but that's what it means. If this guy is unrepentant, then you can, the church and two or three of you together, have the authority to say, dude, then you're not acting like a follower of Christ. Like, you're a Gentile and a tax collector now. Like, that's how we're going to treat you. It's not about getting... Whatever we want, no matter what the preachers on TV say. So hopefully I answered that one really quick. Yeah. Um, and then I think what we got here, yeah. Just someone who ask just for some specifics and some practical things to pr- improve your prayer life. Um, and the first thing I want to say is <clears throat> put it at the top of your list. It's the only way I can say it. When I was a young man I read a, a quote from Martin Luther and I thought it was ridiculous. And he sparked the, uh, the Reformation and he wrote cr- crazy amounts. His wife brewed amazing beer. He, he just had a very eccentric life. He was very busy, and, but he wrote this. He says, I am so busy, there's no way I could accomplish all that God has called me to do unless I spend three hours every morning in prayer. Now, for Martin Luther, that connected two things that we think are disconnected. He said, basically, my prayer life enables me to get stuff done. Mm. My prayer life gives me the resources to pour out later in the day. Advice, sermons, books,
1: work, right? Well, and our prayer life even helps us determine what's important to get done.
0: (sighs) That's good. So many times you wake up without a plan, you wake up not spending time with the Lord, and you're just like a kite in the wind. Right. Every text message, every email, every cry of the baby determines your emotions and determines where you're going that day. So I would say the first thing we do is we need to put prayer back up where it needs to be at the top of our list. It's the most important thing. When I was in Omaha, at my residency for church planting, I had, I took, had to take a side job, and I worked at Whole Foods, And I had a shift that started, I don't even know, it was like 6.30 a.m. And I know I have to pray. Some of you guys are nice people. You're calm and gentle people by nature. God did not grant me with such a disposition. Really? Eh, You know, it's kind of hard to pick up on. But you wouldn't want to know me without my time with the Lord. Like that's where God softens me, Mm. changes me, directs me encourages me. Um, and so one of the re- things I know is I have to do it. Like
1: yeah. I have to do it. All right. Well, and even for the people who maybe are that kind and gentle and sweet, like that prayer time is the time where we're strengthened yeah. and encouraged and that spine is stiffened.
0: That's great. That's great. Like they very rarely share their faith more than likely. They very rarely offend anyone. They right. very rarely stand up for truth. It's because they're not spending time with the Lord, but yeah. they don't think they really need it because maybe that's for superhero Christians. Sure. It's not. So anyways, I would have to get up at 4.30 a.m. Um, to spend time with the Lord. And it was brutal. By 2 o'clock that night, I was falling asleep. You know, I kind of rig—I rigged, rigged my body so I would go to work out at 3 o'clock. So I was like right when I was dead tired, I'd go work out and then get a little bit of energy to come home and be with the family. Um, but I, I just put it in my mind like this is a priority. I have to do this if I want to be well. And listen, I want to finish well. I want to be a good dad. Yeah. I want to be a good husband. 20 years from now, I want to love my wife. I want her to love me more than more then than she does now. Right. Well, in order that to happen, I have to continually being made into the image of God's son, right? Yeah. And that happens in our prayer time.
1: Well, nobody regrets sweet time with the Lord, right? Mm. Nobody gets done spending time with the Lord and feeling refreshed. And it's like, oh man, that was kind of a waste of time. It's, yeah. it's always time well spent, right?
0: Unless you go into it as a check mark, like sure, something you yeah. need to check off, right? Yeah, like, um, so here's right. Here's, if it's, I if it's about this. Here's like, a, go
1: ahead. Well, I was going to say like the difference we're talking about, uh, uh, the conversation with encounter. If you just have conversation, I think I kind of explained it on Sunday as, uh, when you're prompted for help on a, on a website, right? Somebody comes up and it's like a tell you know, whatever it is and your conversation, you're having a conversation with them, but there's no encounter. Like you don't know them. You go on your way after that. Uh, or if the the vice versa is, is where you are you have the encounter with somebody. Uh, you're standing in line to meet a celebrity, and you're there for two seconds, and you have that encounter, but there's no conversation. Mm. Uh, and so to bring both of those two worlds together, to really have that encounter and the conversation is really the the type of prayer, not just a checkbox sort of thing. Because yeah. I think those <clears throat> other two can be turned into that. But having a really—you're you're talking about communi- communing with the Father uh, and, and having—catering yeah. to a, a relationship.
0: So— We have a lot of rules in the Bible, and I don't want to add to any rules that we have in the Bible, but I'm going to tell you a rule that you should add, and that's this. Do not check your phone. Do not check social media. Do not check the news app. Do not check your email before you read your Bible in the morning, period. Now, what's interesting is i found sometimes when I'm doing this, that it can put a little pressure on my Bible reading. Like I'm kind of wanting to read the news. I'm kind of wanting to check Instagram. I'm kind of want, And so that can lead me to kind of treat my Bible time as a check mark. And I have to remind myself. And when I feel that, I put I've finished my Bible reading, I put my phone down and I pick up a book. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not giving into this. This desire that wants to check Instagram, yeah. I'm not giving into this. I'm going to wait an extra hour to do it now after my prayer time, right? Yeah. So I, that's just a little uh, thing that helped me. So practical guide, uh, plan, prep, schedule your time with the Lord, uh, move it around a little bit. So maybe choose a different chair. I, I say a lot of times: change of pace, change of place equals change of perspective. Go to a different coffee shop, go to a different spot in your house, go sit in the garage I knew one man of God who had a shed with no air conditioning. He would go out in the shed and just sweat with the Lord. You know, it's a little hot this time of year, but it's that important. So find a place, um, slow your pace down, and let God change your perspective. The second one is when determine when you are at your mental best. You have mental clarity. For me, You've already heard, it's early in the morning, after a cup of coffee, Um, that's my best. My mornings are always my best, so I always spend the time, my proactive time with the Lord in the mornings. I've had friends, creative types, musicians, they're up at midnight, boom, that's when their brain turns on. I've heard Al Mohler does his podcast at like 2 a.m. or something crazy. I am gone at 2 a.m., and uh, I do not want to be awoken at that time. But hey, if you're that type of person, Okay, don't let that be your Netflix time. Right. You know, don't let that be your video game time. Give that, give your best time in your day to the Lord. Yeah. Right. Put the kids to bed. Meet with the Lord. We've already talked about another practical advice: start with Scripture. <clears throat> um, specifically, one way to do that is you can choose a Psalm a day. So today's the ninth. You can read Psalm nine. <clears throat> if that doesn't really speak to you, nothing really jumps out at you add 30 to it. Read Psalm 39. That doesn't speak to you. Add 30 to it. Read Psalm 69. If that doesn't, now you can keep doing that like five times basically. Eventually you're probably going to land on psalms that are encouraging, psalms that are depressing, psalms (laughs) that are frustrating, psalms that are, you're going to get a gamut of emotional responses. And so one of those is probably going to Resonate resonate with you and just pray that. Yeah.
1: Right. It's good.
0: Pray that. Secondly, I thought I brought it in here, but I didn't. Use our liturgy. We spend hours every week praying over, planning, writing our sacred city liturgy. We print it and we put it in the uh, the, the things that hang on the chairs. You can get one out of there. We put it up on version, the app, the Bible app. You can find it there. It That goes through. Uh, call to worship that goes through confession of sin that goes through absolution that goes through profession of faith that goes through reading of scripture that goes through a pastoral prayer that goes through all i mean that is a great way to help um organize and structure
1: one thing uh, that i like to do time. Is to pull out a hymnal uh, mm-hmm. and pray through a hymnal there's a lot of really good hymns that we don't necessarily sing maybe it's dated or whatever the case might be uh, unfamiliar tunes but a lot of times the words are just money, and yeah. to, and, and it's creative and expressive, and it can be a way to to pray through um, something that's a little bit different than just going through the Psalms or something along those lines.
0: That's good. <clears throat> All right, I think we've we've covered a lot of stuff. The last thing I want to cover here, and it's going to be brief, is we had a question about praying with kids and teaching our kids how to pray. Hmm. Um. One thing that we've done as a family is I chose Psalm sixty-seven, one through three. Um, so basically, here's how our dinner time goes, okay? And I, and you, I hope you're not going to be impressed by this because it's it's organized chaos. Uh, four kids, uh, we sit down. I'm starving. I'm always starving. Um, I really want to get the food in my mouth. The kids are going to be wild. It's going to be, all, it's going to be difficult. But first thing we do, typically, we, we sing the doxology. Uh, praise God from whom all blessings flow. You know that song. We sing that. And then we have a liturgy. And the liturgy is from Psalm 67. I say this, may God be gracious to us and bless us. And the kids say, and make his face shine upon us. That your way may be known on earth, and the kids say your saving power among all nations. I say let the people praise you, O God, and the kids say let all the people praise you. It's the first three verses from Psalm 67, and I'm teaching our kids how to pray from the Psalms. I've also taught my kids the Lord's Prayer. Um, prayed with them at night, at bedtime, so we pray the Lord's we pray the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, you know. Um. So first off, wh- how do you teach your kids to pray? Pray at meals, mm-hmm. right? Teach them the Lord's prayer. Um, the other big thing that we do is we uh, will read. We read to them every night before bed. We will read to them something they want, you know, Pinkalicious or whatever. The th- you know, my daughters <laughs> are making me read these days. Charlotte's Web. We started Charlotte's Web last night, but then we will read uh, a Bible story, right? Or we'll talk about the Lord's prayer. One of the one of the two, or do a catechism. And, but here's what I've taught my kids. When we do a Bible story, maybe it's the Jesus Storybook Bible, and it's the story of Jonah, and you're going through it. You know, they bring it around to Jesus pretty well. But I've taught my kids, when you go through that story, I want your prayers to be shaped by that story. That's good. And so even my five-year-old, when we pray, she surprises me, and she'll pray, Lord, I pray for our city, you know, or I pray for our neighbors that you would save them, like you saved the people of Nineveh. Or, or Lord, I pray that you know they do it funny stuff too. That will never be eaten by a fish. You know, (laughs) they pray that kind of stuff. But I'm teaching the kids to let Scripture shape their prayer. Yeah. Right.
1: One of the things that we've been doing with our oldest, uh, we pray similar to kind of what you're describing before bed is he's got to say three things that he's thankful for from the day. Uh, I've been reading, I read some of the, uh, A the heart of gratitude is naturally drifts into prayer. Mm. And so cultivating a, a grateful heart, um, to give thanks to God and to develop that communion cause all the good things come from his heavenly Absolutely. father. So <clears throat> that's one thing that we've found helpful. And, and it's kind of fun to yeah. you know recap the day in that sense.
0: Yeah. We do highs and lows. A lot of times, what's the best part of your day? What was the worst part of your day? Yeah. And these are like setups for prayer. So when you pray, when I pray for them, I pray for all of them first, and I I thank God for all the highs. I thank God for all the blessings. I remind, I point it back up to him. You're the one who gave us water slides and water and the sun and the, the mountains and all these great things. And then I also pray for them to be encouraged in whatever they're dealing with. Yeah. And here's the other issue. We might not want to—we ain't trying to hear this right now, parents. Um, by the time 830 comes around, we're done, right? We want to put the kids in bed. I am no longer your father right now. I am just a man.
1: A bedtime warden.
0: Yeah. I'm just a man who needs a stiff drink. That's what I need. But if we do that, we are missing out on one of the sweetest opportunities for prayer. And here's what I'm saying. Let bedtime issues drive you and your children to prayer. One, I'm scared. I had this last night. All right, talk theology. Is God t- God's watching over you? God's protecting you. God's given you a good father. I'm sitting here. I have a loaded gun. I'm good, right? <laughs> I'm a good shot. Uh, but also pray through that. What's scaring you? What What you know? What What's going on right now? Pray through their fears. Their fears might be literally God drawing them into an intimate relationship with Him, where they can find comfort. That's
1: there. That's
0: good. Um, for my kids that are getting a little older bedtime becomes the moment in their day where their little brains start processing what happened during the day and so I've had daughters and sons cry at at bedtime I'm going there what's going on you know me, my immediate reaction here we go some you know they're just trying to extend bedtime no their little soft sensitive heart has just turned on and they remember something that happened at school that hurt their feelings that was really cruel it's something a teacher said something a Students said, that's a moment of honesty. That's a Holy Spirit moment that's meant to help us pray for our kids and also lead our kids into prayer. Yeah. Maybe it's praying for a bully at school, praying for a teacher. Maybe it's teaching our kids about kindness or about um, loving our enemies. There's many different ways of praying there. Um, And also, I've seen some of the sweetest acts of compassion of my kids at bedtime. When they um, they cry over a neighbor moving, because they really love the, the they really love him. They you know they saw him come to church and Jesus was you know in, he was getting into Jesus, and they're just really sad mm. that this person moved. And um, I, yes, I wish my kid was asleep. Yes, I wish I was with my wife down on the couch. But this is a moment that I beg God for. My kid would start developing a compassionate heart. Yeah. And so what I, what my man and I have been trained now to say to our child is, that's the Holy Spirit, babe. That's the Holy Spirit. And I just, one of my daughters, I said yesterday, baby, I know that you're naturally pretty uh, selfish and pretty, uh, I can't remember the exact word I use, but basically sassy. And so when I see that in you, I know that's the Holy Spirit working. Wow, yeah. Right? And I know it because she's like me. So, that don't come naturally, right? <laughs> and so use bedtime issues to drive you and your children to prayer.
1: I so, think even this ahead. sorry, just discipline too. How how we do our discipline it, it always wraps up with a prayer of being reminded of Jesus taking our ultimate punishment for us and kind of drawing us back to the cross, but then also calling on Jesus to help us to walk in obedience, to honor him. Um, that's another way that just, I mean, because that kind of, that stuff translates into later on, that we're calling upon the Lord in our time of distress. That's Absolutely. really helpful.
0: I remember one time our, our children saw a panhandler on the side of the road, you know, and I, and probably like most people, I don't have much compassion for Midwest panhandlers, especially the ones that I see like months at a time at the same corner. I'm like, bro, you can get a job most of the time. You know, uh, it's, that's my own heart. But my kids were like, could we give him food? Could we prepare a bag for him and give him food? And immediately I want to be like, no, nah, he doesn't need it. Right. He, he's fine. Uh, but we did. Amanda, Amanda led that, that charge out and they drove up and they gave it, and they gave it to the guy and the guy was like no oh, thanks you know it was like real rough and the kids like we were expecting more like and so more like gracious response and yeah. thankful response and so we got to talk about we got to talk about it like we got to process it together and say you know we're we're not doing these things so we feel good we're not doing these things to get a good reaction we're doing these things because this is how god treats us right yeah. so we treat other people so use these opportunities uh, to drive you and your kids to prayer um, well, it's been a, almost an hour now, and that was. This has been one of my favorite podcasts that I've that ever done. Good. Um, I think you guys can be expecting more of this. Um, if you could do us a huge favor, share this podcast.
1: Yeah, keep the questions coming.
0: Yeah, give us more questions. Like us on Facebook. It helps other people find us. This it's a noisy world, the digital world right now. There's millions of podcasts. It's really hard to find. Specifically, we do this for our churches. Sacred City, Downport, Sacred City, Moline. We want to help our people have a deeper prayer life and be able to walk with Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life. So um, we love you guys. Thanks a lot for listening. And hopefully we will see you back here next week.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Adios.